Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the long talk here on New Zealand Sports Radio. And... uh, I've got an absolute cracking interview coming up. I've already been told that he is a very interesting chap. uh, And he has definitely been around the world with his sports. So he's got plenty of stories, I'm sure. Um, Welcome to Mark Watson from um, Beach Volleyball Player. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Mike Watson, not Mark Watson. Jeez, I've got your name wrong before you start. How embarrassing. (laughs) Um, um, So, yeah, so uh, you've been Gods World Championships... um, and uh, things like that. You've you've had a long career in beach volleyball. What was your first volleyball experience? Uh, basically, one of my friends uh, signed up for a team, um, and he wanted someone to help set him. He wanted me. He wanted someone to, to practice with, um, and I wasn't even playing the game. And then um, just decided to help him, and then really enjoyed it. So I went from there. Just joined the local school team. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. And how far did you go? Did he go? Not yeah. very far. He quit oh. kind of the next year. Um, but, um, yeah, so a few of my other friends um, that I played with when I was younger are, are still playing now and, and at a high level as well. Cool. Uh, so how old were you when you when you started uh, sort of doing that setting and, and joining it? Uh, it was first year of high school, so 13 years old. And I guess that's something that I've, I'm finding with, with volleyball is that the, you, you sort of come into it a bit later than, say, your sort of rugby's, crickets, uh, that kind of stuff. So were you kind of sporty before? Definitely, yeah. I played heaps of sports. I played a lot of football. Um, I was into athletics, um, pretty much all sports, squash, tennis. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a hard sport to play when you're younger. Um, it's just it requires a, a high level of coordination, and when you're young, it's it's yeah, it's tough to play. So when you get a little bit older, it becomes a bit easier. Yeah, I must admit, my only experience of it was playing in school, and the ball would just go all over the place. Rallies, yeah. of, rallies of two or three would be two or three hits would be uh, would be kind of considered a big success. Um, the as you say, it is it is a high skill, high coordination um, game. So, were you, were you an indoor volleyball player, or, or have you always been on the beach? I started off in indoor. 
everyone kind of, um, well, most people start off playing indoor. And then um, we pretty much just couldn't get enough. So the indoor season finished, uh, and then we just went on to the beach. Our coach recommended us to just go play some beach volleyball. And then, um, yeah, we just played uh, as much as we could. So we were playing indoor, on the sand, on the grass, pretty much everywhere we could play, we were playing. So we definitely started indoor, but then naturally progressed to beach as well from there. Yeah, and it's surprising. I mean, when you go to, obviously, you put over my accent, I'm English, but if you go to the beach over in the UK, everyone does a football, you go to the beach, go down to Mission Bay or somewhere like that, and you see everyone playing touch rugby and volleyball. It is, it's a, it's a big participation sport here, isn't it, in, in New Zealand, if not a big um, spectator sport? Yeah, yeah, it's popular. Um, where there's a lot, we have a Tuesday night social league um, for beach volleyball down here in the Mount. And it's it's packed every every Tuesday. It's really really busy. I think they set up like thirty courts each night. So it is it is really popular. Um, there's just not that many opportunities to play at the moment. So I was talking with your CEO, and I suggested to her that you needed to get onto Mount Monganui Council and get a permanent setup with some good stands and things. It sounds like you're getting a big enough crowd. You're getting a big enough crowd there on Tuesday nights that that, that maybe that's something they should do. Have a permanent courts and get some permanent stands in place, some showers. You have a nice venue there. Yeah, it's been talked about for a while, um, and one of the things that is holding us back is that the beach is used for a whole different array of sports, like not just volleyball. So there would have to be a place where um, it would be out of the way, um, but still able to be um, viewed by spectators and stuff. So, the, and also the residents. I don't know if they um, if they are too happy with permanent courts. That's kind of been a bit of an obstacle in the past. But recently we've had our own net just set up. Um, we used to set it up and take it up and pull it down before every training. Um, but then we just decided, you know what, let's just leave it up um, for a week. And then, then the week became a month, and then like suddenly we were leaving it up over summer. So it gets used uh, all the time, which is cool. Um, a lot of people come down, they spring their own board and use the net. So there is a kind of semi-permanent net there over summer, but um, it's just it just belongs to us. So, yeah. And then, then, it, then it becomes 30-odd on a, um, on, a, on a Tuesday night. That's, that's amazing. Um, how important is it to have sort of a flat surface then? Because I guess if you're just throwing them up and taking them down again, uh, you're on a beach. Most beaches aren't flat. Um, they kind of slope down to the sea. So how does, how does that kind of work? It's pretty important. Um, you need to have a, a flat area. So if, if, the, if it is a, a sloping beach, um, if it's not too bad, you can get away with it. But if it's really bad, then you're not going to be able to play on it. So the thing about the mountains is it's a, it's a, it's a huge area and it's really flat. So there's a lot of space to set up courts. So it's probably one of the only beaches in New Zealand that has the capacity to have that many courts. The, so you started off... Uh, sorry, so was when you started off, were you actually in the mount, or have you sort of moved there? As part no, of I, I was. I was. I grew up in Tauranga. I uh, went to Otamata College, so the mount was just across the bridge. So, yeah, I've uh, always been playing here. Oh, so it's fantastic. Yeah, you say the, the perfect beach for it. Um, so that's obviously going to be your favourite place. Which other places around New Zealand have you enjoyed? Which well, we've got good <coughs> beaches for, for beach volleyball? We had a, a, a new tournament this year up in Ruakaka. Uh, beach just north of Auckland about two hours north of Auckland and it was beautiful um, I had never played there before I'd actually never been there before so the sand was really nice um, we had it on a long weekend there was a, a good crowds and uh, the weather was great so I know all the players really enjoyed that beach so that was pretty awesome yeah and that good sand that's an important thing is it? I was chatting with um, Olivia McDonald and she was saying how some beaches can have lots of shells in the sand and it starts to cut up your feet and stuff so 
yeah, the quality of the sand, quality of the surface is an important thing for you guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, even just one end of the mount compared to the other, one end's really shelly and one end's um, a lot more cleaner. So it's, it definitely makes a difference. The other thing is um, how deep the sand is. So if, if, it's, if it's harder, it obviously makes it easier to jump. You can jump higher. But when it's softer, you kind of sink into the sand a bit more, which um, makes it harder to play. When you get to that sort of pro level, then, do you have teams who you know, right, okay, they're a deep sand team or they're a hard sand team? Uh, that you know you're going to struggle have an easier or harder game against somebody no not really it's just more that you need to adjust your game plan so it's kind of everyone's the same if it's hard then you know that a lot of uh people are going to be hitting big spikes where if it's soft and they're not jumping as high then they're not going to be at, a, at that same height so they might be doing softer shots so it doesn't really uh, apply to specific teams it kind of applies to like the whole population they're playing on that sand it's kind of like they need to be well, just just different, really. If, if it's if it's harder, then everyone's going to be smashing the ball. Okay, I'm going to try and look like an art. I'm talking about here, uh, but you're a defender, aren't you? So that means that you that the whole knowing when spikes are coming is going to be a big thing for you. It's because you're in the back court trying to yep. bump those back up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm a defender, so good work. So there's two positions blocking um, Olivia McDonald. You spoke to her. She's a blocker, um, yep. a really good blocker, and. Um, then yeah, defense is the other one. So sometimes you can switch and do and do both. Um, if it's really hot, uh, sometimes it's quite hard work for the blocker to be doing all the blocking. So you might switch. But me, I'm mainly a, a defender, yeah, which is fun. <laughs> um, the now a, a lot of us are kind of close experience, and perhaps I'm showing my age here, of beach volleyball was probably watching Top Gun. Was 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 that your introduction to it, or did you? I've actually never seen it. Never seen it. So I've heard about it, but um, yeah, never ever seen it. So uh, I, I'll put it on my list of movies to watch. But yeah, I've never seen it. Oh dear, we're just out of lockdown. So you guys actually at level three. Are you guys allowed to get out and train and play, or is that are you still having to? I don't know. Surf things back. It's a bit of a grey area at the moment. Um, I'm probably going to start when we get to level two, but um, yeah, I don't think we are at this stage. But yeah, it's kind of been good to have a bit of a break because we've had a, a long time training over the summer, so it's been good. But I'm missing it. This is the longest I haven't been playing volleyball for a long time, so I really want to really want to get back on the court. Yeah, because um, if I look back, so you, you seem to not play that many games last year, but in 2017, around this sort of time, you're in Australia, Thailand, Qatar. Um, you, you, this this would be kind of the the Asian season this kind of period wouldn't it yeah exactly so you play the new zealand summer um and then when it starts to get cold here you go overseas you can't really play beach volleyball in new zealand for the whole year especially you want to make some money so the asian circuit's like a bit of a precursor to the world tour so you kind of go from new zealand tour asian tour and then to the world tour um which is the the pro stuff but um yeah so a lot of time in asia which is awesome but i haven't gone i didn't go last year um and that was kind of the first year I decided to have a break from traveling and save some money, uh, buy a house, which was my goal, which, which I did. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what I want to do kind of post-lockdown. I just kind of have to make that, make that to those decisions. So you've not – so, so how was your year planned? So were you, were you planning to be away in Asia this year or were you going to, or were you going to be, be here? How much has it disrupted your preparation for the Olympics? Yeah, well, it was, we were supposed to be um, doing the phase three. I'm not sure if you know about the Olympic qualification, but we had this three phases, and we won the first phase here in New Zealand. 
Um, and then that means we skipped phase two and was going to phase three. And if we win that, we get to go to the Olympics. So that's obviously all off now uh, until next year because there's no Olympics. And so we, uh, yeah, that's definitely affected it. We would have been training um, full time right now to try and to try and qualify for the Olympics. So that's not happening. So kind of have to readjust and and replan. So it would have been training, not touring at the moment. You'd be would have been the important thing. It would have been a mixture of both because okay. um, funding's not unlimited, so we would have been doing as much touring as we could, but um, probably just training because we have to pay for our own trips. So if we did heaps of touring, we wouldn't even be able to get to the actual uh, qualifying events. So it's kind of a bit of a, a balanced game where we try and train as much, tour as much as we can because playing international competitions what gets you better, but obviously we uh, can't do everything. Yeah, and looking at your... Sort of career and prize money. Uh, you, you had a really uh, good event in 2015 at the World Championships. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, we're looking at sort of 600, 400 dollars in prize money per per event. It's not a lot of money, is it? The, when you've um, from uh, from that point of view, not like in kind of football or rugby. No. Kind of there is, situation there is or, money, or tennis. There's, there's, there's definitely money to be made um, at the top end. Like you said, in 2015, um, me and my team had a really successful year. We uh, we we won a few events and we finished high in, in a number of events as well. So we actually made made money. Normally, we just try and pay for your trip, but um, when you're making money, it's pretty good. But in most occasions, the tournament um, promoter looks looks after the accommodation and food. So you just have to pay for your flights. Um, to get there, and then if you can, you know, get a, a decent result, then um, you'll be paying for that, and you won't be won't be losing money, which is a big thing. So, Air New Zealand, the kind of the ideal sponsor is is he, he'd like to have? Yeah, I mean that would be awesome. I've actually um, a long time ago I asked them for some sponsorship, but uh, yeah, didn't didn't wasn't successful, which is not surprising. But um, yeah, that would be. Any airline sponsor is, uh, would be huge because obviously you have to fly a lot to play beach volleyball. And so, actually, let's use the opportunity. Um, do you want to give a shout out to to who your who has been your good sponsors over the years? Yeah, at the at the moment, I don't really have uh, any sponsors. Um, I have been kind of working with Lululemon a little bit uh, for uniform stuff, but um, in in the last kind of couple of years, I've just been uh, doing it solo, just uh, working working part time and, and and paying for trips myself. So. Yeah. What's what's the part time job? I work for a wholesale scaffolding company. So um, if people want to start scaffolding businesses, then they can come to us and buy our system. So they're really good um, with giving me time off um, to train and to travel and stuff like that. So it's awesome. It's really flexible. I can kind of leave in the afternoon about three ish and then go to training, which is which is pretty cool. So yeah. So when we when I've talked to, I guess people just morph the audience, but when I've talked to sort of professional rugby players who come like, yep, okay, we get up, we train, we have a coffee, have a massage and chill out and do a bit of professional development. That's not the same case for you. You're having to do a part-time job and then train in the evenings, much more kind of a semi-pro kind of approach. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, we obviously try and, and be as professional as possible, but um, it's just not possible when you're not uh, having that kind of money. You know, you need we need to survive, so... Yeah, it would be nice to be in that environment when all you're thinking about is volleyball, but unfortunately, we're not. We have to, we have to do, work, we have to work and go like and do stuff like that. So you've been going, uh, well, on on this since 2006 on the kind of world circuit. You've played with Edwin O'Dean, Ben O'Dean, Sam O'Dean, your Blackburn, 
Peterson, Watson, Hartles, Timmer. I, there's a lot of different people you've played with. Are they, uh, are you all based in the mount, or how, how do you do sort of team practice when um, in that kind of situation? So it's it's basically um, there's two on a team. So yeah. for for me, if, if if I'm in the same city with the person I'm playing with, it's good. Uh, when I was playing with Sam and, and Ben O'Day, they live in Tauranga here with me. But um, when I was playing, when I've been playing with Timmer, uh, Johan, he lives in Auckland, so we actually haven't trained too much together. Um, but we we managed to, to get some pretty good results. But it is it is tough when you live in different cities. But um, there's a good crew of of beach volleyballers in, in the Mount um, that kind of all train together, um, which which is helpful. And talking with with Olivia, she was I was asking her how do you find partners or or, or do these sort of things. I asked her whether or not does volleyball New Zealand put together a sort of training camp and then you pair up with who's appropriate, or is it just purely having chats, word of mouth, How how's it been over your career finding or deciding who to play with? Over my career, it's been totally up to me. Volleyball New Zealand hasn't had any input on who I'm playing with, um, which is which is good and also bad because um, if Volleyball New Zealand were investing more money, I mean, they do the best they can, but if they, if they had more money into a program, then I would be okay with them um, choosing a partner. But because it's basically self-funded, um, and I want to be playing with who I want to play with. So in terms of choosing a partner, there's obviously the right fit for um, playing, like if they do the blocking and I'm defending, so that, that has to work. But then the main thing is you just have to get along with them. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing to, to be traveling with someone and playing games for, you know, three or four months at a time. And if you don't like the person or, or there's little, um, you know, little things that drive you up the wall, it makes playing really difficult. And we've always kind of said it that, you know, we're not playing to become millionaires. You know, we're not doing golf or tennis. So if we're not enjoying it, then then it's, it's not really worth it. So that's what I found with my, my recent partner, Johan. We've been uh, really, really enjoying playing with each other. Um, and it just shows on the court and it shows in our results as well, which has been good. So Johan folds his towel up nicely after showering and it doesn't need the bathroom yeah. in the mess. That's the... <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing you guys share basically share hotel rooms when you're on those four month trips to to, to keep costs down. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you are literally in each other's back pocket for yeah for for sort of four to eight months a year. Yeah, it's more than um, just the just us as a team. You know, we're sharing with other New Zealand teams, other friends from every country. You know, we could be sleeping on the floor, or whatever, just to save money. Because kind of thing. It's just we just need to try and. You know, obviously we try and prepare for the tournament as best we can, but between between events or after we get knocked out, then we're just trying to save money. So we could just be even have. I know there's been six of us in, in a double room once. I can remember that was pretty funny. I think I actually used the curtain as a blanket. It was uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, okay, so I've, 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 I've got next question was yeah, do you travel with a coach? I guess the answer to that is clearly going to be no. Um, do you, have you learned sort of things like massage, physio, so that you can basically massage each other after games and help with the lactic acid removal and taping each other up and all that kind of stuff? Or how does have you have you become a kind of part time physio? Uh, yeah, I mean we have we I've learned that kind of stuff definitely, um, especially with my own rehab for like little injuries that I have. I kind of know what I need to do. Don't really massage each other that much. Um, we do have a physio that we see back here uh, in New Zealand who's really good, Brad Takai, but he um, obviously doesn't travel with us. 
like you said, it's so, it's, it's so expensive. So for us, you know, we look at Australia and they have like a, a whole squad of like 10 um, people and only two or four of them might be playing, you know. So they have, they have video people, like coaches, um, physios go with them and we just kind of travel by ourselves. So you just got to adapt, you know. It would be nice to have those kind of resources, but um, we just make the most of what we, what we can. Do, uh, do you video your own games then and do post-match analysis yeah. like that? Cause I, I, yeah, that, say, that wasn't something I kind of thought about. Yeah, definitely. We definitely video our own games. It's huge. Um, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes when, you, when you've lost the game and, and you have to watch the footage, you know, and you're thinking, oh, how could I do that? Or that was, you know, it's tough to watch the losses. But when you don't have a coach there, um, it's important to, to kind of make adjustments, you know. So I remember we when we were playing, we'd be... Um, video in the next court that, because we would play the winner. If we won, we'd play the winner of the game that's going on next. So I'm trying to warm up and then I'll be running over and starting the camera on the court next to me and then running back and then playing our game and then going to grab the camera afterwards. But um, yeah, you just get used to it. You know, it's just part of the, it's part of the sport. That sounds, um, yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, when I've talked to, I don't know, refer to rugby players because I've talked to mostly, they'll, They'll have like a set routine for the hour or two hours before a game where they warm up a certain way, they'll go back, they'll get changed, strap up, whatever, check out their notebook as to what things they're supposed to be concentrating on, and they have this set routine before a single game. It sounds like that's not something you can do to get your headspace or get them ready for a game. You're yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have our routines, um, but, you know, sometimes they just get interrupted with stuff like that, but you just have to deal with it. You know, I, I have a routine that's pretty small, like I'm kind of, you know, only really thinking about the game about half an hour before we start playing. I don't need much time to warm up, but others will spend an hour, hour and a half kind of getting into that routine. But like you said, if we have to start cameras uh, on ours or on other courts, yeah, it can be disrupted, that's for sure. So are there other New Zealand teams that you could kind of share that workload with and help each other out? Or Definitely, definitely. If you're travelling at the same event with other Kiwis, then um, they can. we always help each other. We've got a really good relationship with all of the players. So, um, yeah, that's that's always an option. But to be honest, there's not there's not too many events where there's more than one Kiwi team. You know, it's just the, the nature of it. There's a lot of girls-only events uh, in Asia. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's... We obviously can't go to those, and then for the other ones, it's like, yeah, there's not too many teams travelling, so kind of depends. I don't know. There's a big topic about, uh, yeah, about sort of transgender people. But anyway, we won't go down that, that rabbit hole. That's where you can go through those events. Um, the it seems that you're always playing with other Kiwis. Is is that the way it is? That it's you you have country teams. You can't pair up with a an Australian or a Brit or an American. Um, on the on the on the world tour, is it is it is it, an, is it a country versus country thing, or is it just yeah? That's what it, it is. It for... sure is. Yeah, the 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 Asian tour and the world tour, you have to be uh, from the same country. But if you're playing in the New Zealand tour, a national tour event, um, then you're allowed to play with someone from different countries. So it's just for when you get points for um, the Olympics for the world ranking, then you need to be playing with someone from your own country. So the. Uh, so, so the, the Olympics is the big thing, is it? That's that's what everyone's playing towards. It's not because yep. if you if I take te- to take sort of tennis as an example, another solo sport or, or small team sport, we'd say the great tennis players are the ones who've won Grand Slams, not who've won Olympics. Uh, so the Olympics is bigger than the World Tour. So if you have like win the World Tour six times but never get an Olympic medal, that's you're not as good as the Olympic medalists. What, what's how do you rank people? I guess. 
the the Olympics is the biggest thing for sure. It's it's interesting, and I, I like that. You know, I, I know what it's like in tennis with like you know Wimbledon or, or the Grand Slams are the big things, but for for beach volleyball, it, the Olympics is huge. It's, it's it's just the main the main event pretty much. I think it's it's because it's really quite it's hard to qualify, um, so that makes it quite prestigious. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because there's no prize money for the Olympics, so you could say the world champs win is win is big prize money on the line. But um, I don't know. It's just something about the Olympics that, for beach volleyball anyway, it's, it's definitely the most prestigious event. Uh, and you look, it's a very popular event at the Olympics. It sells out very quickly, and yeah, they get big, big crowds. When you, what kind of money does the winner of the World Championships get? Uh, I think the World Champs first place, the last one was a hundred thousand US. Right. So it's it's still it's a decent amount of money, but when you compare it to tennis, it, it's not in the same ballpark. No, it's still yeah. So it's, it's a long way behind your tennis, your golf, etc. Um, the so we talked with Olivia, and she talked about going over to to the states and playing over there in, in in college system. How did you go from school to international? Did you go away to a college system, or did you, or how did you make that transition from from school into your first tournament in Bermuda? Yeah, it's. It's, it's, it's different for, for girls. There's a lot more opportunities to get scholarships in the U.S. Um, because they don't have many sports. But for, for volleyball, you've got to compete with like basketball and American football to get scholarships. So that's not – it is an option. There are, there are people that are doing this, um, but it's definitely harder for, for guys. So the, the, the problem at the moment in New Zealand is that, that there's no real link between when you finish high school and the next phase. So for me, it was just – I just had a bunch of friends that we were playing. There was like 10 of us, and, and we just wanted to keep playing volleyball. When, when I was in school and it was in my last year, and my parents were asking me, what are you going to do? I was just like, I want to play. I want to try and give this volleyball thing a crack. So I was I was fortunate enough that there was a group of us in the same boat, so that kind of pushed it, But and that's how I ended up making the New Zealand team. But that's the, that's the thing that is is quite disappointing at the moment in New Zealand because we don't have that link from high school to the next level. So I know that we are trying to develop it and, and we're heading in the right direction. But, you know, if you've got a if you've got a kid that's, you know, let's say just as good as rugby as what he is in volleyball or, or another sport, then he's not going to play volleyball just because what's he going to do? You know, there's no pathway after high school. So I think the reason that um, my friends and I made it was just because we loved the game so much. We just we, we just were competitive, and we just after school we were still playing, you know. So a lot of players drop off after school, which is disappointing. But yeah, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Even rugby loses players to rugby league because they can get the, the, in rugby you generally go to an academy where you get paid less, whereas in rugby league you can get straight into professional ranks uh, and earn more. So even they lose lose players in a situation where you don't even have that academy structure or a structure to carry you through even if it is on low pay then that's going to be even harder to keep people in the sport for that yeah yeah exactly exactly and especially when as you said um, from the beach volleyball side of things you decide who your partner is there isn't someone helping you or saying hey look you two guys would be really good together kind of thing from a playing point of view so again if you don't if you haven't got the right contacts at the age of 18 and you, you, and your, your partner drops out, you're you're going to drop out as well. So did did you play under seventeens, under eighteens? Sort of yeah, yeah. Zero? I was I was never really that good in high school. I I was okay, you know, but it wasn't until after high school that I really started to to get better. And I just kept playing pretty much. 
I never really made any teams, any high school representative teams, not for indoor. Um, I made the New Zealand beach team, which was which was cool. And that's when I went to Bermuda, the world champs, under 19s. Uh, but that was all I played. I never played anything else. Um, yeah. So how did you learn to become a professional athlete? Because, I mean, there's, there's a difference between just playing a sport and then there's learning the nutrition, how you recover, how you prepare, how you train sort of off the court physically. There's a whole package there about being a professional athlete. How, where, where did that all come from? Um, I was lucky because... Um, when I finished school, I worked and saved some money uh, and then went overseas and played in Germany um, just through some some friends of friends pretty much put me in contact with a German coach. So I learned a lot of uh, that kind of side of things when I was over there. And then the following year, I um, the current New Zealand number one team at the time, they got some money from Spark and instead of, they didn't have enough, it wasn't enough for a, a full-time coach, but they were able to pay for me to go over and help them in a sort of a coaching role in terms of, like I said before, starting the film and, and doing all the little things. So I did that for two years with the current with the former NZ number one team, and that's where I learned a lot about the whole uh, what it what it takes to be to be a player at that level. So that was I was really fortunate to have that opportunity. I was right. So you, okay, so you became a video video analyst, come come coach for for a while. Exactly. Which I guess was. I, have you had any coaching uh, experience or training, or do, or is it, or again, is it all just sort of learning on the job? Yeah, I've, there's definitely been um, some coaches that that I've had in New Zealand, which have been really good. I've never had like a full time coach that's been travelling with me and, and doing everything like that. So, you know, that's one thing that when I look back on my career, if I was able to to have a coach full time, then I think I would have been a lot more successful than what I was. But there's definitely been some, a lot of coaches, there's been a couple of older players um, who have kind of mentored me a little bit, um, which has been awesome. But um, we were lucky enough a couple of years ago, one of the um, best coaches in the world from Germany, he came out here um, for a year with his family. So I learned a lot uh, from him in that one year, which was awesome. So but you, obviously you did a little bit of coaching with that, that top New Zealand team back then. Have you done much coaching or do you yeah. get involved in... That's yeah, something. I actually do a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching, um, to the point where I'm actually having a little bit of a break because I was just coaching so much. But I, I've started up like an after-school program where I go around to schools and coach beach volleyball after schools, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and then I also have an indoor school team that I coach. Uh, and then last year I was actually coaching the Tauranga men's volleyball team, so I was kind of coaching and playing. So. And I also actually coached at the Commonwealth Games, the NZ number one team uh, for women. I was coaching them at the Commonwealth Games in uh, the Gold Coast, so that was pretty cool. So have you got, have you got, have you got your coaching badges, and is that something you would look at doing? No, nah, I, I don't have any, any qualifications. I've just got um, experience pretty much. But I think in the future it's something that I want to do. Um, I, I have been doing a lot of coaching, and it's kind of made me realize that I'm not finished with the sport yet. You know, like I'm still fit, I'm still healthy, I'm still able to play at a high level. So I think once I kind of taper off my personal plan, then I'll definitely spend a lot more time coaching for sure. I'd say you're about to qualify, or you're, you're, you're on the path for, for qualifying for the Olympics. Stop, stop saying as the, the kind of as I used to be, I could have been much more successful. This, this, this could, your future's still ahead of you. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> how many more years do you think it'll be, or how much longer do you think you'll be playing the game? Yeah, it's, I've got to the point in my life where 
Um, I'm not spending every dollar that I earn on volleyball. So yep. that's that's a big thing. There was a 10-year a, a period there where everything I was doing was towards volleyball. So I've kind of um, realized that I need to start setting myself up in terms of like my life. Um, so, you know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, I bought a house last year, which was awesome. And I'm looking, you know, hoping, hoping to have kids in the next, the next few years. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment is trying to balance those two. If, if there was a situation where the funding or there was a program and I, and I could do, and I didn't have to worry about the money side of things, then I'd probably play for another eight, eight to 10 years probably. But, um, yeah, the thing is that I just can't, I can't, uh, I can't sustain that lifestyle for that much longer. Now, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but you're what? You're about 31 now? Exactly, exactly. And, and so, you think you can keep playing till you're 40? Wow, that's... Totally. The, that, the, the best uh, players in the world um, at the moment, they're kind of like mid, mid to late 30s. So there's definitely a couple of good teams that are young, but um, there's a guy from America, Jack Gibb, and he's, I think he's mid 40s, and he's still doing really, really well, so... It's, it's kind of not uh, – experience is a big thing, so the more you play, um, the better you get. And if you're still – you know, it obviously it takes a toll physically, but I think I could still play at a high level for, for a few more years, that's for sure. Wow, yeah, because, again, rugby players, early 30s, they're thinking about retirement, uh, and you're saying, yeah, it's possible to go, well, past your late 30s. Well, Definitely. Right. So, it is a, it's, so, yeah, the, the funding is the issue rather than toll on the body. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's just a lifestyle thing, you know. It, it's it's sacrifice. If I, I could keep going at what I'm doing, and then you know I'd be ten years further down the track for for the rest of my life. So, it's it's a tough decision to make. It really is, and I'm still trying to do as much volleyball as I can. But um, yeah, like I said, I've got to start thinking about the future and, and, and setting myself up financially, because um, at the moment that's not coming from volleyball. So, yeah, I've just got to balance it out. The um, so when you say you've 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 you kind of ratcheted back a little bit, how many hours are you still doing? So it sounds like you 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 say you could, you're leaving work mid afternoon to get training in. Uh, you've every Tuesday at least you've got that uh, that, that the, the, the the social volleyball going on. So how many night how many sort of nights a week do you train sort of on the sand, and how many nights a week are you in the gym? So during um, the social stuff Tuesday, that's that's not me. That's that's a super low okay. level. Like I'm not not doing the social stuff, but I'm normally doing like three um, beach sessions a week. Um, I actually didn't go to the gym this season, the season just been, um, because yeah, it was just my knee. I needed to get my knees a break pretty much. But um, I've, I'm coming up this year, I'll be getting back into the gym. So normally about three times a week, um, and then training pretty much as much as we can. But it's not the thing with volleyball is it's not like we we don't have set trainings every week. It's kind of like who can show up on what day. So we might have a training on Monday, and then at the end of the training we'll be like, okay, who can do this day or who can do that day? And we'll kind of set up through the rest of the week. So I'll probably be training about three times um, after school after um, work. Wow, that would uh, make a rugby coach that would do his head in. Um, the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's frustrating. I'll try, you know, you try and set up like regular trainings, but it's just it's just what it is. You know, people can't always commit, and it's yeah, it's just not like just not like other sports in that regard. Yeah, and that was one of the things I was trying to have a quick chat with when I chat with the CEO. But is the the image of 
the kind of beach, fun, laid back lifestyle, but also trying to be, oh, but also the, on the flip side, it's high performance, highly competitive uh, game. Do those do those cultures clash? Um, yeah, I mean, like it's definitely presented, like you said, like it's at the beach and, and it's relaxed. But I think that you know it's it is quite an athletic sport to me you know, to be running and jumping around the sand. So um, it, it does clash a little bit for sure when people's perception of it. But once you kind of play the game and, and realize that you know it's it's pretty hard work, you know, understand that you've got to be doing a lot of training to be good at it. So yeah, I think the high performance side is just. It's just we don't have that program at the moment where everyone's there playing. We, there was a couple of years ago when we had maybe eight men's teams that were playing at a really, really high level. And um, it was actually when that German coach came out and he was really, really astounded of, of how good we were. But the thing was that there no one's training. It's full, no one's full-time training. We're all just kind of pl- playing because we love it. And there's the, the top two teams that might be training, but and then this summer, you know, there's only like one or two of, of from that eight that are still playing, and that kind of like made me upset a little bit because I was thinking, man, if we were able to keep that that team, you know, that that group of twenty odd players, then the whole New Zealand volleyball would be benefiting from that. So that's a little bit, you know, disappointing when we can't hold on to those top top uh, players for sure. Yeah, and, and well, the the ODs, for example, that, that's, that looks like it's three brothers um, who 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 are kind of into into volleyball. Uh, and when you played in that that, that qualifier you were talking about um, earlier, the the Continental Cup, um, you paired up with 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 Sam OD, but that was because his brother Ben had got injured and, and dropped out, apparently, I, I believe. So does that mean now that you two? kind of have to stay together for the rest of the Olympic qualifying or no not at all so the, the thing is that um, New Zealand can enter any combination that they want um, for any of the Olympic trials so I actually got select we actually I actually got selected in November to play that event but it got cancelled or postponed because of the measles outbreak that happened in Fiji so um, we didn't end up playing it then and then um, it looked like we weren't going to get selected. The whole selection process for that was uh, interesting. It just wasn't. It wasn't very clear cut. So you know, we we found out maybe like just over a week before we were playing that I was going to be playing with Sam. Um, and you know, it was it was it was good because I had played with Sam before. It wasn't like I was playing with a new partner. Um, but it was also tough because I hadn't played with him for a long time. So. It's um, yeah, yeah. It was an interesting thing, but for I, I guess for the next uh, Olympic qualifying event, which will be next year, um, it could be it could be Sam and his brother Ben. It could be me and Johan, or it could be the other team, Tom and Alani. You kind of never really know. So, and it could be any one of the combinations. I could be playing with Ben, for example, or you never really know. But at at this stage, once Ben comes back from his injury, then he'll be playing with Sam again for sure. Okay, so so all right, so so you've you've helped so you've helped New Zealand earn a, a spot uh, exactly. at that stage, which in some ways makes a sense makes sense in the fact that look, if you got injured, then how could you, you the other person that misses out entirely because they've they've lost that 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 sort of one play. So I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering how much it's a team collective and a team pair 
kind yeah, of sports for, for the for the Olympic stuff. It's it's the collective. You need two teams, um, but for every other thing, every other tournament, it's just one one team. But as soon as the tournament starts, if someone gets injured, you can't you can't replace them. So right. it's only it's only who you enter with. So I could enter with anyone leading up to the tournament. And then as soon as they say, yep, the tournament's begun, if you um, have a new have an injury, then you, you have, to, have to pull out, you can't replace them. So on the World Tour, is it you and Johan qualify as a pair, or, do you, or is it kind of you qualify on your ranking, and if Johan's not available, you can play with somebody else and still get into those tournaments? How, how does that kind of balance work? The, the ranking points are individual ranking points. So if I was playing with Johan and we got a result, those points would be are halved and given to each of us. Um, normally, you play with the same person um, throughout the whole season and you build those points up. But if Johan got injured, um, then I would take half of the points and then hopefully the partner that I replaced them with would also have points. So if, if you right. if you have that, then you could, could get into the tournament, yeah. Oh, I see. So, yeah, okay. So you don't keep all the points from um, when you want to. You, you take your half. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Makes, a, makes a lot of sense. Um, I think I've asked most of the kind of things, but um, any other kind of stories like six on the floor? Um, actually, actually that's, sorry, one of the things I asked everybody was, so cyclists, cycling teams, take basically mattresses around because you sleep on different mattresses, it can alter, you, you can basically get injuries just from sleeping on, on a different mattress. Have you ever thought of traveling with a, a mattress topper or something like that or a mat to, for, for that kind um, of Nah, I haven't. Not 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 for that reason. I have travelled with a um, like an inflatable airbed, like a camping one that goes into my bag, um, just because I knew that I was going to be sleeping on the floor for the majority of the time. So um, that's when I have when I was um, travelling when I was younger. I was travelling with those with a, a mattress like that. But um, yeah, not really. You just kind of tough it tough it out. You know, if you get a bad sleep, you just got to get up and play pretty much. As you get more more senior, you get used to yeah, better better conditions, so you don't have to worry so much about sleeping on the floor. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, Etc. Et, et, et um, cool. So yeah, I think I've covered off on just about it. All my questions. Uh, any kind of other thoughts around volleyball that we should let people kind of know about? Um, yeah, I guess it's just it's in New Zealand. It's a pretty low profile sport at the moment, anyway. We are trying to build it up and get bigger, but it's it's just a really really fun sport to play, um, and you get opportunities, you know, to, to meet people and and meet friends from all around the world. Um, and the the cool thing is that you know once you've played a few tournaments, you can stay with friends in in, in Europe and and wherever so, in America and things like that. So I'm really you know really grateful for the experience that I've had um, so far in Beach Volleyball and, and as you said hopefully I can, can continue it and play some more but um, yeah I mean if people are wanting to play I would just suggest to just get out and play you know it's it's going to be a lot of self, self-driven self you know it, it's not like other sports where they make schedules for you and they give you training programs and things like that a lot of it's just that you have to do it on yourself so but if you love the sport enough then, then you'll be able to do it for sure and that's, that's what happened to me. And don't forget that actually you don't have to have a beach either. You just need sand. So there are courts, sand courts inland as well, folks. So do um, check out the, uh, the Volleyball New Zealand website if you want to get involved and you don't live next to the beach as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you, Mike, so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking through you some of your, some of your uh, volleyball um, life. No worries. Thanks good luck with me. the house and, uh, and, and uh, good luck with your Olympic qualification when that gets back on track.
Yeah, thank you. And uh, thank you. And don't forget, folks, please do like the Facebook page, New Zealand Sport Radio, uh, or if you prefer to listen, uh, then we are also podcasts. We're available on iTunes, uh, and Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those places. And so just search for New Zealand Sport Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.